Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adeumi again. We are now going through the teachings of Apostle Paul in his letter, second epistle of Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians. This is what we are going to go through. In the first letter of Apostle Paul, we mentioned that he was addressing one particular issue, but he actually talked around it concerning those who he classified that they were busybodies in the midst of the congregation of the Thessalonians, but they were not working, they are not having any job. Maybe they claim to be ministers or they wanted to be ministers and they expect the church to be feeding them. And he addressed and said, get your own job, do your own business and so on. He didn't really mention it until when he gets to this letter of second epistle to the Thessalonians that he actually put the hit the nail in the head, as people say it, and specifically talking about he had that some of you are living as busybodies and not working at all. But in the first Thessalonians, he only talked around it. Then in that same also, first Thessalonians chapter 4, he mentioned about the rapture, so that people will, that are believers, we have a hope that if people died, that are believers among them, they shouldn't lose hope because they were, they have gone to be with the Lord, and Christ is going to bring them back in the resurrection before the end of the world, before the end of all things, there will be a rapture. And he pointed out one out in First Thessalonians chapter 4, where he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. If you believe Christ resurrected, those that are dead in Christ will God bring with him. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and so on and so forth. So you see, we we'll talk about that in First Thessalonians chapter 4. Now he's going to address those two things also in chapter, in this second episode because when people receive the letter of Apostle Paul, they could be too excited or over-excited that many people going to go sell their properties. Oh, the Lord is coming soon. He wanted to calm them down. So he's going to address that in this second letter of Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians. Also, he's going to address those who are not having job at all, just being busy and trying to expect the, the body of Christ to feed them. He's also going to address that in this chapter. So this second epistle is very short. It's only three chapters. It's broken down three chapters. Let's go on and read it. And I will read, just get your Bible and follow along. And when I get to the point, I will explain. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet. Because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other abounded. Now, many people have been wondering that way. Apostle Paul was always saying, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As if they are two different things. We have to remember, Christ came as the Son of God when he came on the earth. And he always referred to Father. And when he was going up, he said, We should call God our Father. Our Father in heaven. And he is like mediator for us in the, in the human body. That's why he took his body up. But you see, it is the same spirit. One spirit that manifests to man as father and as son and as the Holy Ghost in us. So it might say one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One faith. Because we preach that in many other sermons where we refer to the book of Revelation chapter 4 and 5 that God was manifesting who he really is as he was and he is and he is to come. And in the, in the kingdom, in the New Jerusalem, there's only be one throne, not two or three thrones, one throne. 
And the throne is called the throne of God and the Lamb. What do you mean by the throne of God? It's only one throne and only one person on that throne. And that one person is going to be wearing a, a face that we can see. And that is why it's coming in form of a Lamb of God in the human body. Because you cannot see something that is invisible. And that's a spirit is invisible. But he wants to live among us. So the only way he can live among us is to put on a human body. And that is why he came as the Lord Jesus Christ. So on, when he built the new Jesus, we're going to be a physical place in the universe, in the physical universe. The new Jesus will be a physical city in the physical universe. Then there we have to be God among us. Not the invisible one that we cannot see. He has to put on the flesh. That's why he came as the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he said, I am my father are one. So you see, that's why, but when the apostles were writing it, they are still writing it as our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's how it, it has been presented to, to them. But the revelation is coming to us as the same one Lord, one faith, one spirit, manifested to mankind as Father, to the Old Testament, Son, to the New Testament, Holy Spirit in us. It's the Holy Spirit, it's just the Spirit of God in us. The omnipresent Spirit. But when it shall be ready from New Jerusalem, it's only one throne. And that throne is the throne of the God and the Lamb. Because God will be inside the Lamb so that we can see Him as a human being, like a human being in a glorified body. Without which, you cannot, see, you cannot even see God because He's invisible. A spirit that you cannot see. But we want to see him because we want we are going to be living in this physical body like he created Adam in his own image, put a physical body upon him so that Adam can see him go back and forth from the spirit to the physical, from the spirit to the physical. And that is what Christ is, is for in the spirit that can come out to the physical, in the physical body, and we are going to be inheriting that type of a body also, going to the physical into the spirit and back into the physical, like Christ can do. Say so we shall be like him. Now let's continue this. Letter of Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians, second letter. But still, say, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you toward each other abounded, so that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. So, like I said, we all have to endure the persecution because. The devil that is ruling the world right now is going to persecute those who are trying to overthrow him. Because we, the saints of God, are going to overthrow Satan in the end. And he knew about it, so that's why he's raising persecution against us to dissuade us, to, to make us be discouraged. But he has lost the battle because Jesus Christ already won. Verse 5. Apostle Paul said, This is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that we, ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. So when we suffer for the kingdom, then we are worthy of this kingdom. That's what God said. He is going to give it back to the people of the saints of the Most High God. They are worthy because they suffer for it. Verse 6. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. God is going to give tribulation to those that are troubling the saints, the Christians. They will suffer in the end in hell. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God 
and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the summary of what Apostle Paul is saying that the Lord is coming to avenge the Christians in flaming fire of our state, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is how they are going to destroy themselves also. World war, nuclear blast, the, the, the sky turned into the sky burning and people run that scatter and they are all destroyed on that. It's coming. It's coming, folks. Nuclear war is coming. But the saints of God will escape all of those things. And that's why the Bible says that it's like God coming in a flaming fire to take vengeance on them that know not God. You say, well, is it God that's going to do it or is it human beings that are going to fight? Is it God sometimes use nature to judge men? And they will say, look at what happened in the days of Noah. God said, I will destroy them. And what happened? It looked like rain. People will call that just nature. Rain, rain, rain until rain never stops. But God said he did it. The ocean came and overflowed all of them until the whole land was, was covered over up to the mountains, covered. And all human beings on the earth died. God said he did it. Scientists may say it's just nature. Something happened in nature. Well, God created nature and God can use nature to judge the sinners, unbelievers. And that is what is going on. And that's what's going to happen again. They, have, they themselves have built nuclear bombs now. Enough to destroy the world so many times over. And the devil is the one that makes them do those things. But when they fight the war, God says it's going to allow them to destroy themselves. But God says it's going to take responsibility. In the flaming fire, God himself says he's going to do it. In flaming fire, to take vengeance. So when God takes vengeance, you don't see an angel. Sometimes you see God can use an angel. But most of the time, he just uses men to fight one another and destroy one another. So that's why you have to fear God. God could have used an angel. The Bible says in the, in, the, in the story in the Bible, when the king Ezekiah was the king of Judah in those days, and the Assyrian soldiers came against Jerusalem and surrounded it for many years, many, many days. And Ezekiah was praying. Isaiah the prophet was praying with them. When God was going to fight for Ezekiah and the, and, the, and the Israelites, one angel went overnight into the camp of the Assyrians and slew, I think say 185 or 186 thousand soldiers. Overnight, they just, the rest woke up and found that 185,000 didn't wake up. What happened? A plague. What happened? The rest fled. They have to carry the corpses around. God can do it that way. Sometimes God doesn't want to do it that way. Because that looks like so gruesome. Look at dead corpses everywhere. Almost like what is going on right now. This is a coronavirus all over the world. Thousands are dying in this country. Thousands are dying in that country. Thousands are dying in that country. Because of something they cannot even see. They call it a virus. You see? Sometimes God will allow something like that. It may even be the one that released the virus. Or man nature that makes those things happen. The same way when they are going to fight nuclear war, God will allow them to fight it through their own nuclear bomb that they made up. So God can use nature to judgment. God doesn't have to send angels to, this, to destroy them. See? But you have to fear God. It's the same God has done it. He said that this is how to escape these things. If you repent, it will not come upon you. So that's why we are warning people that fear God and turn to Christ, the Savior of the world, so that you may be saved individually. Nations may not repent, but individual persons repent and be part of the kingdom that's to come. That's what we are preaching to everybody. 
So that's what Apostle Paul was saying when he wrote in the second letter to the Thessalonians that God will come in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8. He said, They shall be polished. Verse 9. He said, We shall be polished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints, he's going to be glorified in we that are Christians and to be admired in all them that believe. See, because our testimony among you was believed on that day. So that if you believe, you are going to be rewarded. And those that believe, you say, God will come and be admired in you. That that fellow believe he is saved, protected from all these terrible things. Some people may not be around to even say that. Those who know you may not be around to say that. But you will be happy that you are in, in, in good hands with Christ. See, wherefore also we pray always for you that our God will count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So our prayer is that you that is listening to this teaching also, that you will walk uprightly before the Lord, having given your life to Christ, and follow the precepts that he has taught us in the scriptures, how to walk and please him daily. No, not that you are doing it for a while and then you can give it up for a while. Daily, it's a lifestyle. So that God can manifest, can glorify himself in you. So God is glorifying himself in us when we live for him and we help other people. He's glorifying himself in us. When we are instruments of righteousness for God, instruments of help, instruments of deliverance for other people, instruments of turning people from wickedness to righteousness when we preach to them and they give their life. That is why our God is glorified in us. Because God is love and God is good. Now, go to chapter 2 of this second epistle of Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians. Now, here he's going to begin to address why the purpose of his letter. Now, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of, of Christ is at hand. Now, this is what is purpose of his second epistle, like I said in the opening of this sermon, that Apostle Paul is going to address two things in this second letter. He's going to address the fact that believers, when they heard that Christ is coming soon, there will be a rapture. They get so excited. They don't know when it is. They think it's going to be so soon. And many of them started selling their properties and saying that it's coming soon. It's coming soon. They wanted to sell their properties and go camp on the mountain waiting for him. He said, don't get too excited. Don't get so excited. There are some things that have to take place before this thing takes place. He's going to address that here. So that's why he said, don't be so shaken in mind or be troubled Neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letters from us. Even the letter we sent to you, don't let that shake you to the point that you, you lose your mind, begin to sell everything you have, as if it's coming tomorrow. As that the day of Christ is at hand. Verse 3. See, let no man deceive you by any means. Why? For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Falling away from what? Falling away from Christ. Falling away from the truth. And that man of sin be revealed. The son of perdition. Now he's talking about the man of sin. That is what we call the Antichrist. 
Well, the Antichrist in that generation, they were thinking the sister is the Antichrist, or somebody, another sister will take over and be the Antichrist, that you do all those things. But see, we are still expecting that in the end of the world is what the Antichrist will be. Because he, the description that is given of this Antichrist, you stand in the temple of God and say he's God, is, it didn't happen during their time. So definitely they were seeing a vision of what will happen in the end of the world. Apostle Paul who wrote this and more the apostles those days that, that pointed to this thing about the Antichrist, they were seeing visions of future things. That's why they were reporting it that way. But he said, the man of sin is the Antichrist that will be revealed. He said he's a son of perdition. He said that has to come first before the rapture. He said this fellow opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God seated in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. So that is what a character that Apostle Paul is describing here that that has to show forth himself first on the earth before the rapture, before this coming of Christ that he's talking about. But first, remember ye, you know, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what we told you that he might be revealed in his time. He said that this Antichrist that is going to claim to be God himself and try to go into the temple of God. When he say temple of God, people assume he's talking about the temple in Jerusalem. Because that's the only temple that the Jews know. And the Gentiles that believe in Christ only know that there's a temple in Jerusalem which the Jews have been using before. But now we are, we are sure that the, that may not be the, the temple then that he was talking about because but people assume that there will be a temple that this Antichrist will say they should be worshipping him, that he is the God. In the days of apostles, the temple in Jesus was still there and it was destroyed when the, when the Roman Empire and the Jews were fighting. And similar thing was what happened at that time anyway. Because the, the emperor that tried to put his statue in the temple of the Jews was resisted and then there was civil unrest and then war that made the temple to be destroyed by the Romans. And they took away all the Jews worldwide, scattered them worldwide. And the place was desolate for a thousand years. Daniel prophesied that and Jesus Christ seconded that that will happen to them. It was a vengeance of they not accepting Christ as the Messiah. That's what Christ says. The day of vengeance is what Christ called it when he was giving his prophecy in Matthew chapter 24. But that happened then. But that doesn't seem to be fulfilling this Antichrist as we say is God. But that was like a foreshadow of somebody trying to put his plaque in the temple of Jerusalem that the Jews revolted against that started the desolation. The Bible says Apostle or Daniel called it abomination of desolation. Because he's putting an abomination in the temple that started the desolation of Jerusalem. That's why I call it abomination of desolation. Because that abomination started the war, the revolt, the protest and resistance against the Roman Empire that bring them to destroy the temple and destroy all the, all the people that are resisting them and scatter the people worldwide, take them out of their lands and the place was made desolate, that's called desolation, for almost a thousand years. No Jew around there anymore. So that was fulfilled then. But this Antichrist that was prophesied about was talking about that this one will come and look like it will be at the end of the world because they are seeing visions of things that used to come. Nobody they didn't know what time frame that will be. 
But he was telling them that don't be too don't be too carried away because of we wrote letter that this thing is coming, the rapture is coming. Don't be too carried away because that this has to occur first before that rapture can take place. So that's what he was talking about here. In verse seven, he said. Verse 6 says, And now you know what we told you that it might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. I mean, this ungodliness is already going on. Rulers want to make themselves God. They are already going on. Only he who now let it will let until he be taken out of the way. That is, whatever is restraining them so that they cannot, they cannot boldly declare themselves to be God. Human beings that are trying to make themselves God. Something is restraining them that will not even make people to accept them. And they themselves will not be bold not to even declare themselves boldly like that. They may say it in this corner. Somebody may say it in this corner, that corner. But for the world to be carried away by one particular leader like that, the Spirit of God is still assisting them. That's why I say, he that later will learn to be taken out of the way. Until the Holy Ghost withdraw himself, that's when that a human being like that can be possessed by Satan to want to say he is God and take over the worship of, of God from all the places where they are worshipping. That is why he said the mystery is already working. Only he who now later will let until be taken out of the way. Verse 6, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So that is, there must be a ruler of the world at the end that is claiming to be God, that is causing the world to go violent and so on and so forth. That when Christ comes, we have to slaughter that ruler of the world with the brightness of his coming. That's why he's saying. Verse not even him whose coming is after the walking of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Verse 11 says, For this reason, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. So God Himself is going to send them a delusion that make them to believe these things and follow this Antichrist world ruler in the end of the world that will drive that will take them all to hell. That they might all be damned who believe not the truth, but add pleasure in unrighteousness. Because we preach the gospel to them, those who want to follow their ungodliness, if we, we accept the scientific explanation of what is going on. Because when the when there is a water turned to blood, the scientific explanation we give from explanation, instead of turning to God, no, they won't, they won't repent. When there is plague in the land, there will be scientific explanation. Now you can see right now in our generation there have been locusts everywhere. Locusts flew all over some part of Africa, and they are found in Saudi Arabia. Everywhere the locusts are flying everywhere. That is a sign of a judgment. But see, science we explain it all. Oh, something disturbed the locusts. People say this is biblical proportion of locusts, but the science will give them explanation so that they will not repent. So that's why we that are believers, you better repent. Look unto heaven and call on Jesus God to save you from sin so that you can have a hope of this kingdom of God that is coming. That's what we are saying. But see, because they refuse to accept the truth of the gospel of Christ, God will send them, send them strong delusion to believe a lie. Because they accept not the righteousness of God. Verse 13. See, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, believers, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. So God has chosen us to sanctification, to holiness, and to start salvation. We are chosen. Everybody is called. Those that accept the call, 
you are elected to accept. You are elected, you are chosen to accept. And you should be grateful to God. And we are all grateful to God that He accepted, He called us, and we accepted the call. He made us to accept the call. Verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. All the traditions which He have been taught, whether by word or by His peace. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So that is roundup of that talk about the Antichrist and the rapture. As you say, don't get carried away as if it's coming. But you have to remember, get yourself ready at all times. Live for Christ as if he's coming today. Live for Christ as if he's coming today. Live for Christ as if he's coming today. So that whether you die in Christ, you whether you die before that time, you die in Christ and be going to meet you with him in paradise, waiting for that resurrection. And if he comes today, you are ready, acceptable by him. That is why I say live for Christ as if he's coming today. In your holiness, sanctification. Touch not your cleansing. God bless you. Chapter 3. I'm going to continue this letter of Apostle Paul into the last chapter. He said, Finally, brethren, Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that you both do and will do the things which we command you. Now I say the Lord is faithful, who will establish us and keep us from evil. So it is the Lord that is going to keep us from evil. When we cry out to him, he will deliver us. It's the Lord also that is working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But we have to cooperate with his spirit, cooperating with the word of God. That's how we yield ourselves to him and we get him to walk his work through us. Now verse 5, And the Lord directs your hearts unto the love of God and to the patient waiting for Christ. Verse 6, Now I say there are two things Apostle Paul wanted to address in this letter. The second thing is about the believers that were not working, not having any job, and they are just becoming busy bodies among the believers, expecting the body of Christ or the church to feed them. And he's going to address that in this last brief chapter. Verse 6 says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. So what is the tradition they received? He was telling them in the first letter that, look at me, I work, I have a job, and I'm making salary, or I'm making tents and selling it and making money, and using that money to fund the gospel, so that I'm not burdensome to you guys, I'm not burdensome to anybody. The Lord is our witness. We are not doing this thing for money, or for uncleanness, or for greediness, or amass money for ourselves. That was what he presented to them in the first Thessalonians chapter. The first letter to the Thessalonians, and he said that is the tradition you have received from us. He said, but there are some people that are walking disorderly among them, and they are not walking at all. That's what he's saying, verse seven in chapter three. For yourself know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught. You hear what he's saying? But wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. So that was what he was saying. This is how we present ourselves, how we are working and have our own job and have salary to be able to fund for our ministry and fund others. 
Verse 9 says, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example to you to follow us. Say, not that we couldn't have say contribute money, raise tithes, so that we can have money to go to the next city, contribute money, pay your tithes, so that we can have money to do the work of the Lord. He said, we are not doing that because we want to make ourselves an example unto you. That's how the Lord commanded them to do it. For even when we were with you, verse 10, this we commanded you that if any will not walk, neither should he eat. You hear what he was talking about now? So he's now really putting the, hitting the nail on the head, what he was referring to in the first letter, which you just talking around it, that make sure you do your own work, make sure you work with your own hands. He didn't hit the nail in the head. Now he's now hitting the nail in the head, what, because he saw that these people didn't get what he was saying. So he said, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any will not walk, neither should he eat. Say, so for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, walking not at all, but are busybodies. So now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they walk and eat their own bread. See, so that's why I said, we are expected to have a job, have a salary so that we can help the ministry of the of gospel so that we can help other people but not that the church will be paying to salary to to keep us doing the gospel no we we do this work because we love the lord and we are like volunteer workers not people call us you are not full-time that's full-time because the money you earn is used for the gospel that's full-time but starting say but ye brethren be not weary in well-doing and if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man. Have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always, by all means. The Lord be with you. The salutation of Paul with my own hands, which is the token in every prison. Right. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So that was how the letter, the letter of Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians, where he was telling them that he, Make sure you are working with your own hands so that you can help other people and God bless you. I just pray that the Lord will bless this word to the heart of those who are hearing so that you can take heed unto your ways and walk worthy of your calling by God. Walk worthy of this kingdom. Ready to suffer for Christ and live for Him. In Jesus' name I pray.